Hello and welcome back. This will be the fourth podcast episode, and today we will be talking about the impact on basketball, liberal culture, and the NBA as a whole. And I have my wonderful guest and best friend, Jack McGuire, here with me. So, um, to start off, um, just to lay the groundwork for anybody that's not familiar, um, there's like a whole like Twitter culture um, and somewhat political culture around the NBA and basketball as a whole. Um, And um, there's a movement that's been going on the past like five, six years that's often associated with LeBron James called the Player Empowerment Movement, which is where players force their hand versus letting the teams force the hand. Um, So instead of a team trading somebody, a player demands a trade um, and then uses their agent as the contract negotiator, which this is by and large like the biggest um, league to do this. And it's often associated with like liberal, like liberal ideals and Americanism and um, uh, things like that. Like, hey, this is like the people, like sort of like with unions. Um, it's also a league that's famous because it's had several lockouts, which are essentially a union type ta- tactic. Um, and this has been, you know, very kind of popular over the past twenty or so years, um, post Michael Jordan era, uh, and. Um, it's been associated with society in general, so that is what we're here to talk about. And to start off, um, Jack, what are your thoughts specifically on the Miami Heat movement being televised? The Miami Heat movement being televised? Like when LeBron went there back in 2010. Oh. I don't know. I think that got such a bad rep because on the surface it was just a guy thinking that the world cared so much about his decision, which ironically they did. But... In you know actuality, you read about it, anything about it. LeBron raised the whole thing for charity, and you know that's where a lot of the proceeds went. And you know he knew good money was to be made from it, and a lot of money would go to charity if he did that. It probably wasn't just his decision; he probably advised many right. people to do that. And it's still talked about to this day, so it it worked. And you know, I mean, I was always from a basketball standpoint the. Cleveland fans that thought he was going to return after televising that, I think, were yeah. a little silly. And, you know, he's blamed in part because they reacted so poorly, which doesn't make any sense to me. Like, they're the ones that chose to burn his jersey after he gave them almost a decade of his career. So, yeah. I don't know. I think that that was something that he gets a lot, you know, that's where a lot of his hate started and. I didn't think it was fair then, and I still don't. Yeah, I um, I think it's funny because he's often like, almost like by older people, like players like in the nineties, eighties, seventies, but specifically in the nineties, um, American culture as a whole was this very like almost like rugged individualism, like tough kind of kind of idea. Like you had you had Michael Jordan, everybody's like you know his airness. He was so tough. It was all grit and grind. Um, very slow. This was reflected on the court and how they played. Slow yeah. half court. Um, but also in a culture as a whole, I mean, you have the, the most violent America's ever been outside of the civil rights era was the 90s. Gun violence was high. This was when a lot of rap started to take off. Um, and that all impacted basketball culture much more than it did any other culture. And um, some people have talked about kind of the psychology of it. Basketball as a sport is a sport with the most freedom of movement that the players yes, allowed. Definitely. And that's reflected psychologically with how people think about it being the most kind of liberal ideal set of kind of values. Mm-hmm. Um, so the players have come, especially post-Michael Jordan, because he had like a grip on the whole league after he retired, I mean, started to say like, hey, we need to get paid more. We need to do things. 
Um, like we don't have pads like they do in football. Like you can sit close to us and really like watch us blood, sweat, and tears, like go out and perform. Um, basketball is known for stars, really. It's the most star oriented league. And, uh, especially under Bush, um, in the early two thousands, you saw this whole, like, like heavy conservative ship, uh, under David Stern, who was the commissioner of the NBA to try to like get rid of this image of the, of the NBA. And what it actually ended up doing is permanently like keeping it there. Mm -hmm. Um, because ideas that are, you know, dissenting ideas from the norm oftentimes go away on their own. But when you try to make them go away, it just adds more fuel to the fire. Now, whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing, it happens. And obviously the person that's most associated with this is Allen Iverson. Like he like had tattoos, which obviously I personally like don't care about, but these people kind of fed this image and the media image of like gangsters taking over America, like violence is on the rise, gangsters taking over basketball, all this sorts of stuff, despite like, you know, the actual, actual truth of the matter. So the second thing that I wanted to talk about is Allen Iverson, I don't know how much like, you know, but there's like this famous story where he out of high school, um, there was a, there was an incident on a bowling alley with him and like five friends and somebody threw a chair and somebody else got hit, but there was no security camera footage. And out of like, I think it was nine or 10 people. The only person that got charged was him and he got put away for like 10 years. And it, it, everybody was like, this is unfair. You're going after him because he's the only famous person. Cause he was like one of the best players in high school. So it was like a very, like, everybody was like, this is crazy. So somebody, um, he got put away, got sentenced by a judge and uh, it was he was from Philadelphia, and the governor of Pennsylvania actually had to pardon his sentence for him to go to college. He pardoned his sentence. He lost his scholarship to whatever school, and Georgetown was the only school that would take him. That's why he ended up playing for Georgetown. And uh, th- when he pardoned his sentence, the governor made a statement about how racist it was that he was the only one charged. But we look back and we think maybe it was less racist and more of a cultural thing Mm. because there's several other black people there that weren't charged along with like five white people. But he was the only one that was famous. So the prosecutor, we think, maybe was trying to make a case out of that. And then, of course, he ended up going to the NBA, being one of the greatest players ever, wore chains that he got fined for, all these other sorts of things. So like, what are your thoughts on that whole kind of cultural realm like around him? That is – well, what he sparked is like how, you know – Basketball is one thing, how all athletes get treated in terms of the criminal justice system is very either, it's such an extreme, both sides, because it's either one side, someone will, you know, the team or whoever represents him will pay, you know, all kinds of money out of pocket and nothing will come of it. Or you have an example like this, where that judge probably wanted to make an example out of an athlete and say, you know, we're going to, you know, athletes can be charged too and probably over him. Right. for something that they didn't even know if he did or not. Right. That is that's something that's remained still and I think with the new player empowerment players, you know, can avoid situations like that and are just more no based off of stuff like that like oh we got, you know, you got to be extra careful because just because of my status I'm going to be assumed to right. have done anything. There's like a heavy me. yeah, there's a heavier level of guilt there. Right. And what I always go back to is this was roughly in the same time period. That was in the late 90s. It was like 96, I think. And then about 10 years later, well, it was about eight years later in 2004, we have a similar thing happen with Kobe. And there was a rape allegation, obviously. Uh And he went to to court and they settled out of court. And that almost, and for around six months, it stayed around. And And then the case pretty much went away and people forgot about it. And a lot of people think that, um, 
you know, he should have been charged, he shouldn't have been charged, but that, that's not really what I'm concerned with. What I'm concerned with is how one stuck with him for so long in Allen Iverson's case, and he was very labeled as like all these sorts of, you know, mm-hmm. punk, gangster, whatever, and how Kobe was seen as like, oh, like you can't prove it, like he probably didn't do it, like athletes are horny anyway, like all sorts of excuses were made. And something that I thought about personally is maybe um, as far as like the visual perspective of like judging somebody based on how they look, he always was somebody that dressed in nice clothes, Kobe was. He had a chain, but it was real real light gold like Michael Jordan did. It wasn't considered gangster because it wasn't heavy, he didn't have bedazzled jewels, he didn't have like tattoos. And him and Shaq were like this image of like what the good black man in America should be. He was known for working hard, like obsessively. That's Mm -hmm. what Kobe's known for. So in my mind, it's like all these conservative politicians were like, this is what we want America to be like real. Like it was like nobody knew anything about Kobe outside of basketball where Allen Iverson was famous, like for like rap and all sorts of other stuff. Mm -hmm. And despite Kobe and Shaq both having released rap mixtapes, everybody, nobody thinks about them when they think about everybody thinks about basketball and working hard. And they're only known as like this one dimensional like Mm -hmm. thing. Whereas Allen Iverson had like friends that were in prison. So all these things tarnished him. And um, so I just want your opinion on like the rape allegation with Kobe, not just that specifically, but in comparison to another athlete. And why do you think they were treated like so differently? Well, the Kobe one was especially frustrating because the way people viewed it afterwards of, you know, the people that, you know, were strong, just as soon as the allegation came out, they're like, no, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. It was used as a way to like, this like weird, like comeback story for him. Like, Oh, this is like adversity that he's facing, which was just like, it's such a backwards way of like a thinking about that. But I think you're right. The presentation of both guys, you know, Iverson was in high school at the time. So everyone's like, Oh, you know, young star athlete. Of course, you know, of course he did right. like the hothead or whatever. Right. And then Kobe, you know, cause he had some, you know, like, okay amount of NBA experience center right. and you know money was on the line for people and you know all that kind of stuff they were more cautious to you know make sure like nothing else happened you just saw a few weeks ago the FBI said um you know because people always said you know she didn't take it to court so clearly you know right. she didn't do it FBI just released documents a few weeks ago saying some guy went to Kobe's team and sent them a letter and said I you know will handle her for you for free. You don't have to, you know, send me any money. I, I'll take care of her. Insinuating that he would murder her so she wouldn't show up to, to court. Right, right. Kobe seems sent that to the local department or right. whoever, and they had to tell the woman because she deserved to know, like, hey, right. someone... There's know, a threat on your life. Right. So, you know, that's probably a decent reason to not want to go to court and just... You would imagine. Right. So, yeah, the... Kobe's situation is really tough with that. And, like, it's tough because you don't want to... You want to be able to just, like, judge him correctly and sense him correctly and treat him, like, how he should be treated. But it should not... But it also shouldn't be used to create some narrative about athletes as a whole. Right. Like, he shouldn't be grouped with Allen Iverson as, like, athletes that, you know, did right. stuff. It's like, those are two individual people. That did you individual know, things. Iverson's yeah. thing, even if Iverson did what he did, was not as worse. Right, it's very different. Not as what Kobe did, and they're totally different circumstances. So what happens a lot in that case and is any athlete that commits a crime is just thrown into this category, which is just illogical and just silly. Right. And it's just... It Unreasonable. Means, yeah. Right, it's just, it's, there's no point. It's yeah. just to make people sound... 
my my personal take on it, um, and this is like in part because of David Stern, um, is and how hard David Stern was on Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson played hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines um, when he used to like when he he did interviews without t-shirts on, and they didn't have a problem with him doing an interview without a t-shirt on. They had a problem with him doing an interview without a t-shirt on because he had tattoos. So somehow that was yeah. you know a problem against the NBA's standard and the excuse always used or the reason always used was professionalism that's not professional and to me what doesn't really make sense is professionalism is really a mix of two things it's either like this toxic like conservative culture like you have to dress like no shorts at the workplace or you define it as it is defined which is the culture around a professional set of rules and in which case you define what professionalism is it depends on whatever corporation you work for like there's either the first, which is used as an excuse to just keep things the way they are, and then there's the second, which is the idea of professionalism, which is this is how we agree to operate like in this building. So we're a corporation and we say it's professional to wear shorts. We don't care, but there's no dating at the workplace. Or you can date at the workplace, but one can't be superior to the other because that's considered, you know, like it could be abusive. Or so that they set the professional standards. And instead of people really looking into the rules of the NBA's procedures, which there is, you know, hundreds of papers as any corporation, it was immediately seen as like One's professional, one's unprofessional. One's punk rock, rap, whatever you want to call it. Like the downside of like Bill Clinton's America, like all this stuff was out at, in the late 90s. And one's like this professional guy that works hard that we can model like our children after. Like people thought like Kobe should write a children's book, like all this sorts of weird, weird stuff. And it never really made sense to me from a rational standpoint, but from a from a historical standpoint, it always made sense because it's like we had Bush in the White House for eight years. David Stern was like a very conservative like owner of the most liberal league in America. So it's almost as if like you kind of had to expect uh, these opposing narratives to come out like this. Like that's the only thing that makes sense. And you see it differently now because Adam Silver took over after David Stern and the NBA is very different. But oftentimes the players are saying the same thing they were. It's just one, we have Twitter now. There's like a whole Twitter verse around NBA. And – Two, it's actually encouraged or at least allowed by team owners and and um, Adam Silver and things like this. So the NBA and the public's uh, image has shifted completely. Like now, like LeBron and all these liberal athletes, they don't know what they're talking about. Like you hear this all the time in conservative circles. They're like, I'm so tired of the way the NBA is going, like all this other stuff. And it's like if you look at the history, it's been like that always. It's just people didn't listen to him. Like Wilt Chamberlain bragged about sleeping with women in the 60s. Like, it's not like nowadays, it's Dennis like... Dennis Rodman was a thing. Right, <laughs> Den- exactly. Like, Dennis Rodman was a thing. Like, he had rainbow hair, but nobody made a joke about it because right. he was tough. He was, you know, hardworking. But, like, if Kyle Kuzma has rainbow hair, everybody's like, this man's gay. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with the NBA? Well, and The Last Dance comes out, and everyone sees all, like, the horror stories of Dennis Rodman and, like, all the, you know, stuff he did that if he did now, he would never get away with. And now it's like, ah, classic, you know. Right, like that was just but Dennis. If, but if someone does it now, it's like, hey, like, if someone left the team for three days, if, yeah. if Kyrie Irving... Has takes one personal day. Everyone's like, "Well, what are you doing? Right? Like, why are you?" Not Everybody's like, "That's anti-professional." Job? Right? It's it's just yeah. I I think it's odd because all humans do this. We create an image of somebody in our mind, and that's what we think of them. Like that's how relationships work. Like that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like my image of you as my best friend, it would be different than my image of you if you're like my son. That's how your mind works. The problem is those images oftentimes can get altered by things that aren't factually correct or aren't relationally correct, right. like the media, like, you know, you know, narratives, things like that. And I, the one I find the funniest is when Michael Jordan says that he doesn't want to come back and he forces the team uh, to do, uh, to, and he forces this team the last year. So after they had won five championships, he says he doesn't want to come back. 
He forces the team to sign him this massive deal that's over half the team's total pay goes to just him. I think it was like 53%. And they win the last championship, and everybody's like, that was just Michael being Michael. He was competitive, whatever. And you see Allen Iverson make a joke, and he's talked about this on podcast afterwards, about skipping practice, and that always sticks with him now. Like, everybody that thinks of Allen Iverson's the whole quote that was like, practice, what are you talking about practice? And it's funny to me, because he wore flashy jewelry and all these sorts of things. He cost his team, like, way less than Michael Jordan cost his team, but because Michael Jordan's chain was, like, gold and it was considered professional and real thin, it's like, well, he's not flashing his money. And it's like, but he was, like, he was very much doing it, like with his shoe brands, with his car. He had, he bought a house, and the entire house has the number 23 literally all over it. Yeah. Like, the gate's 23. He has a basketball gym inside. So it's like one level of self-obsession is considered okay. And then you have a different level, which is not self-obsession but expression. And that's considered, like, very cliche, like, very bad. Yeah. All sorts of things. People have more of a problem with Iverson having tattoos or wearing baggy clothes than Michael Jordan having a very serious gambling problem. Or punching his teammate. Or that, yeah. Right. Like, no one, no one, everyone's just like, ah, Michael. Or right. Like, like he was Kobe, just, he just, he yeah, was just when competitive. Kobe would, you know, talk crap on his team and say, ah, that's Kobe. Yeah. Like, you, you can't, certain guys can't do that stuff. Right. It's this, it's so weird how an athlete's, the level of what they can get away with is based off of their athletic success. Right. Which is, their public perception. Doesn't make any sense. Right. Like, just because I can, shoot better threes than you doesn't mean I should be able to get away with more crimes than yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it doesn't make any like, sort of sense. You know, your, you know, your faults should be like excused. It just doesn't yeah. make any sense. Um, and, and, and speaking of that, um, what are your thoughts on, now that we, we'll fast forward a little bit to the modern NBA, and in the past probably let's say 10 years, this, has, this thing has become more public. So our guy demands a trade. Or demanding a trade has been around for a long time. Once again, Wilt Chamberlain did that. But one, it was a newspaper, so it took days to come out. And two, oftentimes it was kept in as, you know, it kept inside the organization. And people said that was professional, that was good, that was allowed. And nowadays, because of Twitter, it doesn't say in the organization, right? Like, the story always breaks. And we consider this terrible. Like, like it's so bad. And oftentimes the players don't break the stories themselves. It's somebody like Wojanowski or somebody else that breaks the story. And yet the players still get slack for demanding a trade. Like, this player shouldn't demand a trade. We shouldn't, or at least we shouldn't know about it. This is the type of things that, this is the type of thing that destroys businesses. You know, this should stay inside the organization. And it's like, one side, it's like, this is a good thing. We have access to a public, public, you know, domain where athletes can share. And then before, it's like, how many players demanded a trade in the 70s that we'll never know about? Because they were, they were shut up. Right, like we, that's yeah, how I think of it. Right. <laughs> Whereas now th- we have a whole nother like conservative kind of idea of basketball, which is like that was a good thing. Like we didn't hear about it at all. It kept basketball basketball. And it's like, but but that's not how any other sphere works. Right? Like any other sphere of life, like there's a thing associated with that human. Right? Like we think of great art pieces, but we also we don't separate them from the great artist. We recognize that that was attributed to that person. Or like when we think of famous theories, like sure. Plenty of people worked on general relativity. It's still Einstein's general relativity. We associate that. So why do we try to separate that in athletes? Like why does like why does this athlete doing this thing? We're like, yeah, but you have to shut up and dribble. You have to just be an athlete. Like yeah. where do you think that kind of environment came from? Or you know, yeah, I don't know where it would have sparked. I don't know where it would have originated from. But it's social media is a big reason. Why, like Twitter and Instagram are the two, like, worst things to ever happen in the NBA. Yeah. A good example I always think of is 
Bradley Beal last year, or two years ago, or yeah, whenever, was on this terrible Wizards team, and he was playing really well, and everyone's like, you know, this dude's miserable, and like, look at him, he just wants to get out of there, and then like, they're like, please trade him, please trade him, and then he says, he's like, I don't you know, I don't want him to trade it. Right, he's like, I love you. Work here. And the reaction was like, oh, what are you, some kind of idiot? Like, why do you want to stay there? Are you dumb? It's like, you created, right. you sparked Nothing that. real ever the happened. The only reason that question was asked was because you guys created this, like, oh, he's so miserable. Like, right. he had to be like, no, I'm not. And because, you know, because he didn't, he wasn't overly dramatic and didn't, like, create, like, a bunch of headlines. And it was like, ow, oh, what a dummy. Like, right. he never wins, a, like, a championship. It's so, yeah, it's it's very odd. It's very, very odd. I wish, yeah. I don't remember, like, the starting point of any of this. Like, why right. it's gotten to be so bad. Right. But it's it's strange. Yeah, my personal opinion, like, I rarely give, like, r- like personal opinions but my personal opinion on pretty much any player demanding a trade is I don't really care. I just want to see what happens. Yeah. So like, like that's like I don't care. Like like if Kyrie Irving tomorrow was like I demand a trade. Like I got in a fight with James Harden and we can't like recover as a team. I'm not going to sit there and be like they really need to figure this out. But I also am not going to be like they can't figure this out because I don't know the specifics. Like I know these players only as basketball players. I don't know either one of them personally. I don't know how the organization is run. I don't know any any of the specifics. And in any other environment, we'd be like. Like, they can figure it out. Like, it's not it, – it doesn't affect me. I'm just going to watch the NBA next season no matter if Kyrie Irving's on the net or not. Yeah. Like, that's – like, injuries are also a part of that. Like, we watch the finished product. We can't control what goes into it. And it's like – but if, if he – or, like, James Harden, this is even a better example. He forces way out of Houston by playing eight bad games after having – being the greatest Houston Rocket outside of Hakeem Olajuwon and the history of their franchise, absolutely beloved. Most Houston players still love him. But outside of Houston, everybody's like, he was a quitter because he played eight bad games to force a trade. Everybody's like, he's a quitter. He didn't like Houston. And he's like, he even said something. He's like, no, it's my time to leave. And the organization wasn't going to trade me unless I did something about it. So my personal opinion is I don't really care whether he forced a trade or not. What happened has happened. He's on the yeah. nets now. I don't really care. Houston does Houston stuff. The net, like they're parted ways. It doesn't matter to me. But somehow there's this narrative that the rest of his career, people are going to be like, he's a quitter. From out of the thousands of games he's played, he played. He purposely played eight bad games. So right. it's like, but we do that all the time in our job. Like not just like in jobs, but like in like in life in general. Like sometimes you get down on your luck, and you're like, I think I want to try to force like this to happen. People do it in relationships. Oh, that people, that was the next example I was going to say. Gonna say people will want to you know break up with their partner, but you know don't want the you know the hassle of you know having to do it, so they you know act like a jerk or you know, right. they try to catch the other person doing something right. and create something you know that isn't there right away. So, you know, it's a thing that happens. Right. I don't, it's, it's just weird to me. Like the whole, the Ben Simmons things recently is a good example too, because when, you know, 10 different trade scenarios for him get leaked and I, like, there's no real reaction. Right. But, you know, the public, you know, now knows and Simmons now knows, oh, I'm, I'm being shocked. I'm being rejected in a bunch of trades. And then as soon as he's like, yeah, I don't like. I don't want to play with like you guys anymore. Everyone's like, oh, oh, like wow, like why are you yeah. so anti Philadelphia? Like, why yeah. do you want to play? Like the narrative doesn't make it's, sense. Yeah, it's so it doesn't make any sense. And then this this was going to be kind of my last point. We'll do it in two parts because the first one will be thirty minutes, and we got about uh, about eight minutes left. The last one that I wanted to talk about is two things: one, LeBron and leadership, and two, the White House. 
Because these have been two big stories over the past, yeah. like, especially under Trump. This is like a big thing. Yeah. So first, um, we'll, we'll talk about the White House. So the NBA championship winning teams, all four years skipped going to the White House. Mm-hmm. To me, it wasn't that big of a deal because it's an invite. It's a formal invite. You don't want to go, you don't want to go. I don't really care. And for a long time, I didn't even know they went to the White House. Like, I didn't even know that was a thing because yeah. whenever a team wins a championship, I'm far more concerned with that team winning a championship than the president congr- – like, I don't really care that the president congratulates. Like, it doesn't matter. But the four teams, the Golden State um, and Cleveland – Both? Yeah. The three Golden State and one Cleveland, I think, was the four years. It was – who was it? Because 2016 was, Cleveland won. 2015 – No, no, no. It was Cleveland, the two Warriors, and the – the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors. Okay, they correct. Know. And they were in, like, Canada. So yeah, yeah, that doesn't even make sense. Anyway, um, but this was, like, a big deal. And so what are your thoughts on, like, like they said, I don't want to go to White House. It's a personal decision. We don't want to go. Or we as a team say we don't want to support this president. Getting blown up, and especially the first year when Cleveland did it, into this, like, major story. Like, these liberal, Democratic basketball players, like, well, can't do just, anything, you know. Yeah, it's... Hate the country. Right. It, there's... There's no reason for it to be. It's it's a formal invitation. You you don't have to go. Right. Like, it's kind of it's implied. Just assumed, I guess if you don't go, then you're anti whoever's in office. But, right. Like even if you don't agree with who's in office and you don't want to go and see that person, like why is that? Should, like, why is that a story? Like why? Like if you know Biden is in office now, I don't I don't think we've seen it yet. But if someone you know doesn't want to go, right? Like okay, I don't think anyone's really gonna like care right like i think i'm sure conservatives would be like wow so brave but it's right. like it doesn't matter it, it doesn't like make if sense. the whole if the next team to like it just it's if it didn't happen like if if the players weren't invited to the white house and that thing didn't happen like it's no one cares it's not there's nothing um what's the word like needed from it right it's, it's just the thing to do right there's nothing like serious happening it's a you know a person talking about a team that they've probably never seen before. But right. I know very little, and they're like, hey, read this, like, five-minute summary on this team and how they got here. It's like, okay. Like, yeah. it's just... It it's connects... Just silly. Yeah, it connects to me to the whole, like, cocktail, like, white suburban culture, like, that you see, and it's like, when you get invited, you, like, expect to go. You have to dress up. You can't say no to a formal invitation. It's like if your rich white neighbor invites you to, like, their birthday party. Like, you have right. to go. You have to wear a nice dress. Yeah. And it's like, how, how did an invitation become, I demand to see you here, when oftentimes right. you don't even like you don't even personally know this person. It's like this whole I don't want to overuse conservative, so you can use I guess traditional, but it's like this whole kind of environment where it's like whether you want to call it professional or white or whatever, it's like a very it's a very odd like social thing where it's like you're in a dilemma because you're invited. So in any other like country or atmosphere, you'd be like, I don't want to go or I can go. But it's like now you like have to go. You have to dress up nice, like you have to go to the White House. But it's like this doesn't affect politics at all. This is a sports win- yeah. winning some, a championship. If some, you know, semi-famous social media influencer reach out to me and is like, hey, you want to come to my party? And you're like, um... No. I don't really know you. I probably won't... I mean, I don't care to go. It's like, oh, so you hate me. Yeah. So I, I don't know you. And also, but in the same breath, the people who did go should not be... It should not also be similar. Like, oh, so you're so pro this person. Well, some yeah. guys just want to go because it's like... They, it's a White House. It's a White like, House. if you want to go, some like, that is cool. Enough, like, I think that's the only reason people go anyway. I don't think anyone that goes or, like, decides to go or decides not to go. I think their basis is, do I care enough about going to the White House? Yeah. Some guys don't. And some guys, you know, do. It's a cool thing to do. If I decided to go to the White House, like, let's say in a hypothetical situation, I win a finals MVP, I'm famous, whatever, blah, 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 blah. 
it would be whether I wanted to go to see the White House or not. I couldn't really care who's president. Like, yeah, I'd want to go, like, for, like I, I think it would be cool to, like, take pictures, be in the building, like, hey, but, like, I don't know. And then the last thing that, to kind of sum up um, this is, real quick, what is your opinion on LeBron and his style of leadership as compared to the, the two people he's most often compared to, Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan. Do you think he's better as a leader or worse because he's, quote, softer, easier, etc.? I, and, you know, every person's different. I would much rather have a leader that would, you know, the whole thing with, like, don't get yourself up, your brother will be there to get you up. Like, that's that's a good mindset. Like I agree. You know, having that confidence that the people around you will continue to lift you up, like, that's, that's a positive, like, it's positive reinforcement. It's positive That's reinforcement. what a brother's supposed That's to what do. That's supposed to do. Yeah. I understand the Kobe and Jordan aspect because if, you know, if you want to, you know, if you're just so focused on success and you're trying to, like, mold it and you're like, you like you have to be better, like, you have to do this. Yeah. And you, like, some people need that tough love. But that, what that does is it it cements this idea for, for Jordan and Kobe. What it did to them is like, okay, they're obviously the alpha of this team. Mm. What LeBron does makes it so he isn't making himself out to be the alpha of the team. Right. His style. I'm saying he probably does. Servant leadership is right. the way LeBron, you know, naturally, his personality, he is, he understands how good he is, so, like, right. naturally he'll do it. But other guys, like, if they follow that mindset, it it needs to create this, like, equal field that, you know, we're all here. We're all in the NBA playing basketball, so we're all decently near each other in skill. So, you know, let's just uplift each other. Let's not make it this, like, hierarchy of like you know who's important hey, who's leadership it shouldn't yeah. be like jordan should not be like hey play up to my standards like right. play until like i'm you can't you like, can't demand that greatness right it does that's not how it works i i much prefer lebron's you know ask like the way he goes about it i i prefer that I agree. Um, turn in to hear part two uh, that'll drop in about a week, a week or so. 